Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it, it is good. Um, in fact, uh, I think my daughter, um, did, have you met it yet, sir? Where are you? There she is at the back. All right. She decided to drive over. The, she lives just 15 minutes from here. And her husband, uh, is, she graduated from here, and her husband obviously is still here in the 2 plus 2, so we'll be interested to see. In fact, talking about Myanmar, that's where Sarah spent six months. Uh, it's such a cool thing. Hands-on, I believe y'all call it, Dr. Aiken, isn't it? Hands-on. And so, I mean, it just was incredible. Hey, if you got your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Um, I'm going to talk to you. Uh, the great part about being able... <clears throat> To be able to, be able to talk uh, to, to, to seminary, to a group of students um, about, about the scriptures, about God's word. You know, I um, obviously, that's what I do uh, and, and where I'm from. And, uh, and basically, every time I speak, I have to explain just, if I bring up Moses, I have to explain who Moses is. Uh, and it's an it's a it's a great area of Florida, but it is um, it is an area that, believe it or not, is that the ignorance and the people that you reach really don't have a background. And so uh, so, but it's it's nice to be able to share that with you. Hey guys, if you if you like a title, I'm trying to try to be too formal today. I just want to talk with you as opposed to preach at you. I just want you to hear a couple of things that are on my heart uh, that that I've been learning. Uh, guys, don't ever stop learning. You've never arrived. Okay, it just is something you'll always do. If you stop learning, uh, you will be amazed, uh, believe it or not, how arrogant you'll get. Anyone who stops learning almost, almost always gets arrogant. And so today's title is Contentment. I mean, it seemed like a strange title, but, uh, you know, one time I did a message and I called it the gift of contentment. Then after I read the passage, I'm like, okay, you can't call it the gift of contentment. So I went back to contentment and I just want you to see this, this little passage, kind of, just, just a few verses. We're just going to go down through them, straight down through them. And I've got a few illustrations. I'm uh, going to use most illustrations from around the scriptures. And I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that this, could really, this could really be substantial in, in, in our understanding. It's one of those things that all of us know, but it's easy to forget because of the culture you live in. And the culture that we live in is almost always, in fact, our culture teaches discontent. You know, as in, as in, don't ever be content with anything. I, I, I disagree. I think you work better out of contentment than you ever would out of discontent. You'll see what, you'll see what I think Paul is talking about here. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into it uh, and take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. And take a look now, if you will, in verse 10. It says, I rejoiced uh, in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned, but you had no opportunity. Okay, verse 11. Not that, I, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have, if you've, this is just so great, I saw you open your Bibles, which means that you can actually underline, right? Underline the word learned, okay? Underline the word learned. So, look at me. So, if you pray, God, grant me contentment, that's a dangerous prayer, because he's going to teach it to you. 
And do you know how you learn to be content? By being discontent. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like praying for patience. It's the big joke, right? The way to teach you patience is to, where's the, where's the girl? She's having twins. She's in charge of chapels. God bless her. She has two others and two twins. She's the one that walked me over here, right? She's over there, all right? She probably prayed for patience, all right? So God's gonna give her twins. She will learn patience, I promise you, okay? Learning contentment. Paul said here, Paul said here, he had to learn it. He had to learn it, okay? So, so I want you to know the first thing about contentment is, is that it is learned. It is learned, but it is huge because as you know, the book of Philippians was, was a, he was in prison. I can't imagine having the credentials of Paul and him being stuck in a prison and him being able to say that I'm content here. Okay, that means that Paul has learned a great deal about this concept. And I, it's just something God's been dealing with me. I, guys, I've just finished a, a big financial, you know, thing at our church, just teaching people about finances. And contentment's the culprit. Discontentment is the culprit. Discontentment drives you. You have a trillion dollar industry that is trying their best to make you discontent so you'll go out and buy their junk, right? Because when you're discontent, you buy stuff. And you buy stuff and that puts you in debt. And when you're in debt, then you're enslaved. So this is a huge area, especially you. My brother up here, let me tell you what, he's gonna battle discontentment. What Dr. Aiken's telling you here, if you go to some of these places, you're gonna battle this. And you need to get there. Because if you are where he wants you to be, then you need to be content there and leave the results to them. You know, Dr. Eck, I think it's, sometimes it's our fault because we tell all these stories, you know, and about these, these you know, awesome things that happen, but we don't ever tell what happened before, you know, the awesome stories happen. You know what I'm saying? That there's a whole, and I've just found God is good about, usually like a Joseph, taking you through a pretty long road to get you there. There's no way Joseph could have handled the position that he had if he hadn't been through, what was it, 13 years? From 17 to 30, he went from being sold into slavery then to prison. Oh my goodness, by the time he arose to second most powerful position in the world at that time, he was able to handle it, right? He was able, he was able to do it, why? Because he'd been to the school. Contentment is one of those things. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm, not ta I'm talking about Really, in reality, the simplicity is knowing him. That's just the simple way of saying it. But learned, learned. Illustrations, the greatest illustrations come from the scriptures, right? And uh, just to kind of share with you about what, it, what I mean by learned. The disciples were on the boat, right? And uh, it's a great passage. Uh, you probably know it well, Matthew chapter eight. You can look it up later, but they're on the boat and you know the story, you know, Jesus goes underneath the bottom and, and he's asleep and they're going, big storm comes up and everything's crashing, right? Everything's crashing all over the place. And, and guys, half of these guys are fishermen and I've been several times 
to this. And it's the Sea of Galilee, if you haven't been, it sounds like this monstrous thing, but where I'm from in Tennessee, we just called it a lake, all right? And it's not even a big lake. And so whatever storm came up there, it scared these guys. I mean, it scared them to their core. Fear is something you can talk about and talk to people about because they live it privately if they don't express it publicly, right? Fear is one of those things that has to be conquered also. And the terrible part about conquering fear is that you have to go through it in order to conquer it. It's another one of those great things. Lord, help me overcome fear. Well, okay, here it comes, you know? It's an amazing thing. I've learned this through this. And that's why I've, when, I, when I came across that and that word learn jumped out at me, I'm like, well, that is what that's saying. But these disciples are on the board, there's, you know, the waves are coming up and there's winds and, and they finally get to the point of total anxiety. And they go down and Jesus, don't you care? You know, we're all gonna die. You know, I just, I, you know, I have a vivid imagination which has got me in trouble most of my life. And I have the picture of these Jewish, short Jewish guys with these long beards and the water flowing off of them just scared to death. And Jesus gets up and he says something curious. He accuses them of not having enough faith. And so he stands up on the boat. You know the story. And he says, you know, peace, whatever, be still and all the rest. And, and it just went, whoo. And imagine that. And then I'll you owe you a little faith. And, but then, but then, he walks back and one of the disciples commented and said, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. You see, they knew Jesus, but they didn't know him. But they were learning, right? You know, why don't you think about that for a second? Basically, Jesus is, he's not saying they don't have any faith. He says that, they, that the faith that they have is immature. It's got to grow, right? But I find this, I find this, I find the simplicity in this amazing when you and I understand who he's called us to be. And one of the great things here is this great, this great picture of that Jesus' thought was, hey guys, do you know who I am? And I'm in the boat with you. Well, guys, he's in the boat with us too, right? Amen, hallelujah. Y'all are hearing me, right? His spirit that lives in us. So then why are you and I freak out sometimes? Because we got to learn. You know, when you've been through enough storms, how do you have, you know, these cliches we throw out, sometimes we need to explain them. You know, peace in the middle of the storm. What does that even mean? That means you've been through so many storms that by the time the next one comes up and everybody else is freaking out, you're saying, boy, Lord, I can't wait to see how you're going to do this one. And your heart rate doesn't even go up. You've learned to be content in the middle of the storm. Why? Because you've walked with him long enough, you know him well enough, and you have the ability to, it's in his hands, but that doesn't come overnight. I promise you that doesn't come overnight, but it is his work in you. So first thing I wanted to kind of share with you is, is that remember that it's, remember that it's learned. Okay, number two, number two, is it has, has nothing to do with your circumstances. Um, I remember where I, when I sat where you sit, 
that was, that was, that was where I was because I, here's my personality, right? My personality is one of my, <laughs> it's about all the time. All right. But I've gotten better, right? It's amazing. 30 plus years. I've, I've begun to grow some, but I, I've just found that I, my, my problem was, okay, what am I doing here? Right. I sat where you sat, right? I, I was single and I went to school and I went through all the school and, and, and I had opportunities to go do other things, but I had enough counsel in my life to say, Jeff, stay where you are, right? God has you where you are. Don't go bolting somewhere else until he takes you there. Because wherever I am, I have a real tendency to be discontent. Doesn't matter where it is. That's just, it's, you know, that's one of my issues. You may have other ones. That's one of mine. This is big for me. So I'm, I think I'm speaking as much to myself, but I know I'm speaking to a whole lot of you. As you sit here and as you go through class and you're learning, you're growing, it's wonderful. But there's this constant, which is not a bad thing. There's this constant thought on the inside, but I've got to move. I've got, I've got to get going. Well, remember, be content where he has you at the time, right? And then when he moves you, you'll know it. But if you go bolting out, sometimes you'll begin to wonder and look back. Is that what I should have done? It's an amazing thing as you learn it. But it's not according to circumstances. Let's just read the passage, all right? Let's read the passage and uh, get the text for exactly what it says. Take a look at verse 11 and we'll read it again. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, but I've learned to be consent in whatever, uh, content in whatever the situation, right? I know how to be brought low. So I know what it means to be at the bottom, Paul says. And I know what it means to be to abound as I know what it means to be at the top. Now look at me. Many of you would say, well, boy, it's easiest to be discontent at the bottom. It is not. Believe it or not, when you, when you move up, the discontentment grows. It's an amazing thing. Which is easier? Is it easier to rejoice with those who are rejoicing or is it easier to, or to, to, help, to, to be sympathetic to those who are sympathetic? I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing thing how this works. So he's saying, I've learned on both, both of them. Continue to read, All right? Uh, uh, I, in any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret. We'll talk about the secret, the last thing I wanna share with you in just a minute, right? We'll talk about the secret in a minute, right? But uh, secret of, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You know, it's an amazing thing, again, the fall, the fall and what that has done to us is that it has caused us to try to fill the empty places that are in our lives with things other than the reason we were created. And those things are what drives discontent, right? It just drives it. Now, circumstances, right? Circumstances. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the financial, right? Financial part of it. You know, again, that's one of those things. I guess that's on my mind because I've been talking to our people about it. You know, it reminds me of Exodus chapter 33. And I want you to just, I'm, I'm not going to turn to it, but it's that great passage, you know, where, where God is expressing his disgust, all right, with the people of Israel. And finally, he brings Moses in, all right, however that looks, all right. And uh, he says, you know, God says, okay, Moses, I'm going to send you on with these people. You know, I'm going to send an angel with you. And, and it goes on to say there, I'm going to give you the land, flooring, milk, and honey. I'm going to give you everything I promised. 
right? But I'm not going with you, right? I ask you the question, how many of you would like to have that? Right? The greater majority of believers in our culture would take that deal. Oh man, I have everything? Oh man, man, that's, if I had everything, I'd be content. I'm promising you wouldn't. Because discontent can be found at the promised land. Because your contentment is not found in the promised land. Your contentment's found in him. And Moses wisely spoke for the whole nation and says, listen, Lord, if you're not going, we're not going. Why? Because it's not about stuff. It's not about a place. It's not about finances. You know, sometimes I think to myself, boy, if I just, if I just had more of this, the things we could do in this ministry, and usually I'm talking about money. I even, I even admitted this to the congregation. But when it came down to it, I found out it's not about that. It's about him, right? And so the simplicity of all of this is that it all circles back around to right there. Look, here, listen to this one. This will he'll really help you, all right? You know the story, you know, Mary and Martha. It's, it's, it's a great story. Um, and it's one that you don't hear as often. It's Luke chapter 10. But you know the story. You know, Jesus goes in and Mary's serving, right? And y'all know the story. Mar- uh, uh, excuse me, Martha's serving. Mary is at the feet listening, right? And, and she grows discontent. But remember, look at me. She's serving, literally serving Jesus. How can you be discontent serving Jesus? Oh, you can. Oh, you can. If you got your eyes on the wrong thing, it's an amazing thing. So what did Jesus, right? What did Jesus do? You know, she finally, as most servants who get in that situation find themselves, you know, she'd finally had had it, you know, my no good sister, you know, that kind of thing. Don't you care that I'm having to do all this by myself? And she just finally just has in a great pity party. And, and then Jesus, Jesus kind of looks back at her. And, and, you know, I love this, Martha, Martha, right? <laughs> You're worried about so many things, which is another thing we could talk about, you know, worry, anxiety, all the things that go in that thing, that direction, but we don't have time today. He says, you know, you worry about me. But listen, Mary, Mary's chosen the better, all right? The better portion, I believe, in some translations. And what she, she's not gonna be taken from her. Okay, here we go, here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Guys, contentment is found in knowing him and growing in your relationship with him. That's where Paul is talking about, right? Because that's where Mary was. And that's why, I mean, what could be better than serving Jesus, being with him? Does that make sense? Now, there's nothing wrong with serving. Don't hear me wrong because scripture talks about the greatest among us will be the servants of all. But there's a picture here I don't want you to miss and I don't want you to forget because in whoever you are and wherever you're going, this is going to be a battle, I promise. And the joy in the journey 
is learning to trust the one that you're following. And you have to know him to, 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 to trust him more. It's just how it works. Therefore, in that boat, those disciples, they knew, they began to know who, man, what manner of man is this? Boy, you know, I knew he was God, but he can do that. Of course he can do that. That's who he is. It's an amazing thing, incredible thing, who you serve. And always remember, he doesn't serve you. You serve him. But that joy, that contentment comes from longing to serve him because you know him and not feeling guilted or that it's a duty or that it's a responsibility, right? It's not hard to serve my family. It's not hard to serve my wife and other things. I love them so much. Serving is really not really serving, you know, when you, when you really come down to it. It's just something that drives you. So, so anyway, so circumstances, right? It can't be, first of all, it's learned. It's not governed by all the stuff that goes on around you. And then, and then the last thing I'd like to, to close with, and we'll take a few minutes to talk about it. But uh, I want to talk about, look at verse 13. All right. I will look at verse 12 again. I know how to be brought low. I know what it is means to, be, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, here it goes, here it says it's the secret of being content. Right? The secret, right, of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. And then the passage that I believe so often to be taken out of context, I can do all things through him or Christ, if you will, supplied, who gives me the strength. Okay, now that, that is one of the most quoted verses in the scriptures, but did you realize or had you totally realized that that verse was meant to, to be content. He'll give me the strength to be where he's called me to be. The secret of contentment is that I can do what he's called me to do through him. And you know, that is, that is an incredible, so, so that contentment's found in him, and it makes sense, you know, you have Lewis, C.S. Lewis's whole, right? And we, we know all those things, and that whole thought is that, that you were created to have a relationship. All of the things make sense, but still the drive around you, the drive around you is to always drive you to, through, to discontent. But to be content, you know, when I did portions of this, I've obviously changed up quite a bit because I was doing the finances because our world lives in debt, right? Some of you in the room are living in debt and I, I get the picture, some debt's fine that you have to deal with and you have to work with and all of the rest. But the problem is, is, is this being able to have it now and this discontent, it drives you into awful places. It drives you to do terrible things, make terrible choices. Whatever the discontent and whoever or whatever you're discontent with. But interesting, when you get to know him, because this isn't just a cliche, we talk about these things, but you hear them all the time. And sometimes I was like, yeah, yeah, know him, know him. You know, it's that I may know him in the power of resurrection. It becomes the cry of the scriptures of having a relationship with God that was made possible by Christ at the cross for you. 
And therefore, it is the greatest longing in your heart. And when that place is filled, you will be able to live, work, and serve wherever he has you at the time with all of your heart. Without constantly looking of somewhere else to go, or I need something else, I need something different, I need to change. It is the story inside of me that I have battled. Okay, I've I've won a lot of times, I've lost sometimes. This is not something that that I'm calling you to a standard that you can't follow, but it is something that I am sharing with you that will make that will make incredible difference. You know, as I as I close, I'm got a couple of things I'd like to share with you, just personal. But as I close today, I was thinking about, you know, this whole thought of, oh, you have little faith and, and, you know, faith, peace, peace and contentment, by the way, are twins, right? They seem to go hand in hand and they're just, just peace that passes understanding and all of the things. How can that happen? All those, but faith is the key to it, right? Learning to trust him and you don't trust him if you don't know him. Guys, I, my passion, my absolute passion is, is wanting people to understand God's word. That's my passion. I'm not overly committed to being entertaining. There's such a drawback to that end. Guys, I went to church all my life. I didn't become believers until I was 21. I went to church all my life in a Baptist church. But in the South, where I was from at the time I grew up, my brother, it was, it was not about Jesus and grace. It was about the list of things you don't do and the list of things you do. And what you don't do is a whole lot more important than the things you do, right? What made you a good Christian was how you followed this list. Not so much a completeness in him that was made possible by the cross, but anyway. And so I didn't actually become a believer. I was more of a rebel kid. And so... It wasn't until my story happened. Um, I was playing football at, uh, at a small college, University of Tennessee at Martin, and, uh, and, and got hurt three surgeries later. I couldn't play anymore, and I'd gone home for the holidays, and uh, my mom had asked me to go to a, a Christmas program, and I didn't want to go, but I said, okay, I'll go, and I'll show up, and it's Bellevue, right? And you got this big tree, you know, and I'm on the I'm fourth row and there's a tree in my lap. If you know anything about what the tree is and, and it's, I mean, it's okay. But I look up and I see a girl from high school, right? Who was a believer. Not just, you know, at the time we all called ourselves Christians because I'd never even heard of Muslims at the time. And there were a lot of Jewish folks in our, in our area and never heard of an atheist, so you only had one or two choices, right? You were either a Christian or you were Jewish. And so we all called ourselves that, but she was one. And I saw her afterwards and things weren't going very well, so I hung around and I talked with her and she invited me to go to church. I show up and I hear Adrian Rogers for the first time. I mean, I'd heard about him in town, you know, because I grew up in Memphis. And for the first time, I'm like, Wow, he makes sense. Wow, I can understand everything he's saying. Guys, if the people you're talking to can understand what you're saying, right? Why? Because my life verse for ministry is that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by what? 
So if I can, if they can't understand God's word, faith has no chance. But if they can understand it, then faith has a chance. So it has been a passion of mine because of all those years. It could have been I wasn't listening. I mean, I do understand that. But I fell into a church where the guy who was teaching, you could not only understand what he was saying, you could, it was easy to understand. He was, a, he was a smart man, but if you have ever heard of him preach, it was simplistic. Even a dumb jock who walks in, who's, you know, at the time, 50 miles a bad road, can get what the guy's saying. And so I fell in love with, after I became a believer, it was an amazing thing, and I fell in love with knowing more about him and, and saturating myself with understanding that and having a desire for other people to learn what I had learned. I, I thought to myself, there had to be other people like me. I've been in church all their life, but never got it. Anyway, so we focus so much on, you know, faith. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have, you know, great faith. There are a couple times in the scriptures, the, you know, the Roman centurion and the, and the woman, right? Gentile woman. And, and I've always thought about, oh, great faith. You've got great faith. You know, and we tell people, well, he just got great faith. She's got great faith. But, you know, I understand the concept, but I've been thinking on it, you know, and what does, what does that even mean? How do you get it? How do you get great faith? Because faith is a, has, is a direct pipeline to peace and contentment. So how do you get it? Where does it come from? What do you do? You know, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have a little list of here's how you get faith and you, know, and you go over it and you go up through all the steps and you know, faith, 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 think faith, think faith. And you hear all these preposterous things the secret. You know, I've been here a couple of days now. I leave tonight and, uh, and I got lots of things going on where I get back. So the treadmill hit back as soon as I get back. But, but I've been gone a couple of days and my wife is not with me. And if one of you came up to me afterwards and said, you know, hey, hey, Jeff, you, you didn't bring your wife. I said, no, she's, she's still whatever. And, uh, and said, so, well, well, are you sure that's wise? And I said, what do you mean? Well, how do, my wife's name is Martha. Um, I said, how do you know that, that Martha doesn't have a boyfriend she's seeing when you're gone? I said, Pfft. I said, I don't worry about that. I've never worried about that. And then somebody looks at me and says, man, you've got great faith. I said, no, I don't have a great wife. Are you hearing me? Faith is not the focus. It's what your faith is in. And if you've got a great focus, then faith comes easy. Get to know him. Get to know him better. Sit in the boat until your fear is gone because you've learned who he is and you've learned what he can do in your life. And when you get there, contentment will follow. That's the whole seek ye first passage. Guys, don't go running for all the stuff. Seek him first. Why? Because that's what you're looking for and then he'll take care of everything else. Right? That's, that's not even a bother. But if you start trusting yourself for all the other stuff, anxiety, worry, fear, discontent, it all caves in on you, right? God bless you. And I, I know that you're, you're looking at me like, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And there's more roads to cover. I just hope one day you'll remember this chapel and say, you remember when the guy said, it's, it's about him, not about me. And that's another part of our culture. Even in Christianity, we want to make it all about us. 
What's God doing in my life? What's God's will for my life? Okay, better question, what's God's will? And where can I be a part? You see, see the difference? Not about you, it's about him. All right, I gotta stop. God bless you. I really love you. I love students with all of my heart. I, you're at a great spot. Don't miss it, right? Stay right where you are till he takes you somewhere else. And how do you know he's gonna take me somewhere else? He always, anybody who wants to be in God's will is in God's will. Why? Because it's his responsibility to let you know, right? And learn contentment. It'll give you joy for the journey, all right? Amen, hallelujah. All right, let me have a word of prayer with you. God, thank you so much for the opportunity today. I pray as fervently as I know how for these students. God, as they're walking through learning so many things, God, prepare them to be who you've called them to be, even if it looks different than their plans. Um, God, we're going to give you the glory for it, God, because, uh, because we're yours. And, uh, and we're grateful for the day that salvation became part of our lives. So it's all for your glory. I pray for this school. Continue to keep it a banner that stands for the great commandment and the great commission. And God, we're gonna give you the glory because if it happens, if anything good happens, we know it's because of you. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.